following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Hand off, Elliott plowing to the goal line. Barry, sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it into the touchdown. Now, your hosts, Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison, Danny Sarek, and Kyle Yeomans. It's another beautiful Tuesday, and you know what that means. It's another edition of Talking Cowboys here on DallasCowboys.com. So glad you're all with us, and it is a beautiful day, but it's a better day to talk about your Dallas Cowboys, and we're going to do just that over the next 60 minutes or so. Kyle Yeomans, Hatma Harrison, Isaiah Stanback, and the great Rob Phillips joining us as always. And guys, I... Just about 30 seconds before this open happened, I, I continued to, to put my foot in my mouth, which I feel like I've been doing a lot recently in terms of bets that have been made, and I just lost 10 bucks to Hecma. But, uh, guys, I at least lived through the half marathon, which is great, but now i got to take Hecma to lunch, I guess. $10 ain't going to do it, Kyle. And see, you, you should have learned. You should learn about putting your foot in your mouth. That's just something you're doing in 2020, dog. <laughs> You gotta you gotta provide a little bit of entertainment, I guess, throughout the course of it. But uh, as always, we're we're having some fun and uh, excited to talk with Isaiah again. And uh, Isaiah, I know you're at least probably out of the, the the four of us here, you're the most qualified to have run maybe a half marathon or done something of the sort. But uh, have you ever done long distance running before, or is that something that I need to hit you up about? Uh, so one time I ran about three blocks because a pit bull got loose in the neighborhood. <laughs> Hey, that counts. That counts. Yeah. I don't know if you guys count that or not, but uh, that's about the extent of my long distance running. (laughs) He hit the three blocks. He was gone. Rob's a a big time runner, though. (laughs) I don't think I've run period in like 20 years because of my foot, man. I've got bad feet. I did run the mile back in high school, though, so I could have helped you in like 1997. Mm. Now, not been, so much. You don't want to know how old I was in 1997. Let's just let's throw that out there. But uh, we're going to keep on moving along, not talking about running. We're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys, and we're going to hit up uh, Leighton Van Der Esch and, and his health and the update there. We're going to talk about the the cornerback position and, and even some of that offense as well and some of the new-look offense on that side of the football. But, guys, I, I kind of wanted to keep some of This is hey. This is go, uh, go. This is the point where I, I try and jump in and do my best Kyle impersonation. Uh, but what we obviously the the topic is because we're all bored in the house and in the house bored. Uh, ESPN has has and treated us to the last dance. And I don't know about you guys, but it was wonderful uh, for me to be able to take a stroll back down memory lane to see the greatness of, of Michael Jordan. Rob, I'll start with you. What did you think about the series? I think we're all about the same age, and man, it was just a blast from the past for me. I, I mean, I was about 12 years old when Jordan was doing his thing. I had, I was a Knicks fan. I had the Knicks starter jacket. Whoa, 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 whoa! And all of that. How did you become yeah. a Knicks fan? Uh, be- actually, because Derek Harper of the Mavs. Okay. Mavs yeah. So so bad, and he left for New York, and actually was on a winning team. And I that makes sense. My, I carried my phantom over there, but yeah, it was incredible. It was a nice break for everybody, I think, to enjoy some type of sports. And it's got people talking about, you know, the NFL. And and could the NFL have a storyline that's worthy of a 10-hour documentary series? And I think the Dallas Cowboys would have one, personally. We did a mailbag question on that. I think absolutely there's enough (laughs) to be one for the Dallas Cowboys. Woo! You talk about controversy. 
<laughs> that, thank God they didn't have social media back then during those days. But man, that would be awesome just to hear some of those stories. And if you know ESPN or anyone had any any video uh, clips of that team, because those guys were great. Talk about uh, dynasty. But what about for you, Isaiah? Uh, just looking over the last dance. Yeah, man. Over the last, first of all, I want to address the fact that uh, Rob just admitted that he's a bad wag. He's a bandwagon fan. In the past. He did. He did. <laughs> you know, it takes a man to admit that. So I, oh. I want to give kudos on that. <laughs> Uh, Big time front runner, no, no question. <laughs> no, no, but you know, same here, man. I mean, I, I don't remember how old I was, but I mean, I definitely remember watching that. I was definitely a basketball fan. I was a Seattle SuperSonics fan. Uh, yep, yep. They touched, they touched on that in episodes. Uh, what was that seven and eight? Uh, so yeah. obviously, Gary Payton and, and yeah, you know, Rain Man. Rain mm-hmm. man. I, I had the bike jump haircut. <laughs> you had it. I had awesome. Rat, I just had the little rat tail comb. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah. Uh, so I remember us getting our butts kicked in, that, in the finals that year, but, you know, the city being on fire. But Jordan was my dude, man. You couldn't tell me anything. I was, before I was a football player, I was a basketball and baseball guy. So um, basketball was my sport, man. And Jordan, his, his mentality, his ferociousness, his, ferociousness, his intensity, uh, determination, you know, he didn't care. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I've been touted as a highly competitive individual. I don't know where that came from, but uh, I may or may not be kind of competitive. So, you know, I, I resonated with him, right? I, I identified myself with Jordan and, and just how he carried himself to the game. And um, it's amazing that they were able to follow him um, and put that together, right? I don't know how long they've been sitting on all this, but they did a heck of a job putting it together. And uh, they touch on a lot of points. I think there is some, uh, something that all of us could have taken from that um, individually. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I for you know when I when I looked at the the I was looking at the last dance with my son as we were talking earlier. I have a 13-year-old son that thinks he's pretty good at sports and he's one of those these these kids that believe that you take an iPhone and you know run a few routes and add some rap lyrics to the back of it and that makes you great, right? And so looking at you know looking at looking at the last dance and just showing him what it takes to be great. Seeing Jordan uh in those first couple of episodes talk about getting cut in the legendary story about him having to play JV as a sophomore, you know, and just, I mean, just the whole story about Michael Jordan and what he's had to do to overcome and be as great as he is, I think is something of note, and that's why Fortune 500 companies pay guys like that thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars to come in and talk to their sales team, because everybody wants to tap in to that championship pedigree and what he was able to do and that competitive nature to get to the GOAT status. And it's a term that is used too often nowadays, greatest of all time, but we all got 10 hours to to see and bear witness to what Michael Jordan's greatness was all about. I mean, man, he got up to play anybody. I mean, the one where you're talking about George Carl walked past him, ignored him. You know, a ball a ball boy didn't pass him the ball doing shoot arounds, and so he just took it out on anybody for whatever it was. But it's that it's that killer instinct that I think we all were able to to notice and see. And, and, and that the refreshing thing about Michael Jordan is that. Look, man, he may have been friends with guys off the court and all of that. And I'm not one of those guys who's all this, you know, you got to be mean and all that stuff. But I just felt as though, man, it was that killer instinct that Michael Jordan had that makes him an international icon. Everybody recognizes that when the game's on the line, there's only one person that you want with the ball in their hand, and that's Michael Jordan. And so, look, how, how do we take that, bottle it up, and put it in our guys, right? <laughs> so, Heck, man, that's, that's kind of the... That's the the way I want to tie this in with the Dallas Cowboys. You mentioned the killer instinct. Isaiah talked about the competitiveness. You talk about what made Michael Jordan great and what ended up making those 90s Bulls great. It's a lot of what you want in a team moving forward, even here in 2020. I mean, you can look 30 years down the road almost, and it's still something that you want in your franchise. You want in your, your, your team, and it seemed like Maybe the 2019 Dallas Cowboys didn't necessarily have that. They didn't have that go-to guy. They didn't have that mentality. And you could chalk it up to the championship mentality or the Mamba mentality. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's the same sort of competitiveness and break-back type 
of work ethic. And it just seemed like it, maybe the locker room wasn't on the same page last year. You had Michael Bennett come in and then immediately had to, to stand up on a table in a locker room after a loss. And then uh, that just kind of threw things out of whack as well. But, Rob, I want to ask you the question of last year's Dallas Cowboys, why wasn't it something like that? Whenever you had the talent, you had something positive in your direction, but you just weren't able to put it together. Well, I think from a leadership standpoint, I mean, you can't you can't equate what Michael Jordan presented in sports to no doubt. anything nowadays. <laughs> uh, it's just not it's just not possible. I think I think from the Cowboys' perspective, they had a young leadership group last year, and guys like Jason Witten weren't as vocal in the past. I think they let some mm-hmm. of the younger guys uh, take over there, and I think they're still trying to settle in their roles there. I just think on the field. They didn't play – it wasn't so much locker room leadership as they didn't do enough winning things week to week on the field. Mm-hmm. They, they just – defensively, I think some of the issues they had weren't, were due to trying to make big plays instead of maybe the spectacular over the solid type thing. And they weren't able to handle certain situations. I mean, Jason Garrett, I know he's not here anymore, but he was right in terms of handling adversity throughout the courses of games. And I don't think they handled that as well as they did a couple years ago. And that's when you don't do that, that's why you lose a bunch of close games. And and that's to me, that's what happened more so than, than leadership. Because I do think a guy like Dak Prescott, if you want to make a comparison to what we watched in that documentary, you're, one of your best players is also one of your hardest workers. And I think that was, that was Jordan's greatest gift, is that he even he said worked. in the doc, he won't, do, he won't ask anybody to do anything that he won't he do won't himself. Do. And I think that, yeah. that, that's very important to do. And I, I do think they have leadership on this team. I was going to piggyback off your point, Rob. You made some great points, man. I think one of the things that I think that nobody was really expecting to, to gain from this particular series was the, the management that it required to manage men, right? And, and Phil Jackson, how he managed grown men and with grown man problems and with different personalities <laughs> and, and how he was able to still facilitate all that and make it work right and we saw his 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 management skills you know especially with uh, with Rodman right and the issues that the, the quote-unquote issues that Rodman presented right but he understood Rodman he understood the, the you know what he needed right with each individual he understood um, how he needed to let Jordan be Jordan right but he also knew how to bring everything together so I think that element was kind of was could possibly have been overlooked amongst all the greatness that Jordan was providing in this series but you know managing of men and I think McCarthy coming in right is going to be a big part of that I think he's he's probably a better manager of men uh, than Garrett was in the past right and I think that we're going to see that carry out throughout this upcoming season but Playing off with somebody I know, somebody that I consider, and most people consider to be the goat of, uh, of all-time football and all-time quarterbacks is Tom Brady, right? Yeah. And, and the experience that I have with TV 12 out in New England, and so as I was watching the Last Dance, I was seeing that resemblance, right? I was seeing that ferociousness, I was seeing that tenacity, that 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 unwillingness to, to be okay with losing, that that drive, that 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 drive that's from within, right? The goal-oriented yes. drive. Nothing else matters unless I get the ring. I don't care about a doggone AFC championship. You know, I don't care about all the playoff runs. I care about that last result, which is holding up that doggone Lombardi trophy, right? And that's all that mattered. I mean, it was no different when we looked at Jordan, right? So I saw a lot of resemblances in terms of my particular experience uh, with what we consider to be the GOAT in football. Yeah, and Isaiah, yeah. I kind of wanted Go to ahead, piggyback off of that really quickly, just just before we get to Heckma. But uh, Isaiah, how did his mindset and how did his championship mentality, talking about Tom Brady, how did that affect you as a player? Man, it, it helped me elevate my, my expectations of my, not only myself, uh, but my environment. And um, I had came, obviously, prior to going to New England, I was here in Dallas, right? So we had a ton of great talent. And, and individually, uh, I saw an amazing drive within, like, Jason Witten. You know, individually, I saw amazing drive within, like, Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens so yeah. I, saw, I, saw, I saw greatness um, in the individual platform, but I didn't see it in the sense of, you know, being outspoken and people really following those people, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's one thing to have somebody great, but it's another thing for that person to be great, hold everybody to that expectation, and everybody be be okay following that person. And I think that's what what the difference was when I went to New England with TV12. He he had all those intangibles that that Wit and To had in terms of drive and competitiveness and all the things that we always that we always highlight. However, you got in line 
right? You follow yeah. TB12, right? right? And he, you know, same thing with Jordan. He's not going to ask you to do anything he's not doing, right? He's going to study harder than you. He's going to be there earlier than you, right? He's going to hold himself to a higher standard, right? He's him and Belichick's going to call him out, right? He had a, a great manager of men, right? Belichick. So all those things you see, it's kind of hard to find a great player in history that didn't have a great coach, right? That you know that was kind of leading them along the way. So. You know, I think all those things are, are the things that I, I identified with TB12 in my experience. He just he just outworked you, right? He 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 didn't lose. I mean, we I can tell you, before before Friday practice or after Friday practices, we would go out there and we would have a competition to see who can who can punt the ball within the five yard line. You know, and it was myself, him, and Hoyer, and it was just competitive. It was crazy how it was just so simple of a thing. Just to, hey, this is what we do on Fridays, but like I could I could tell he hated to lose, and I'm like. I like this dude. He's just like me. And I, I get the impression that, that Tom probably is a guy that invents slights, just like Jordan did. Just anything to get himself going. Right. Yeah. 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 You, I mean, uh, was it the, what, what, did, what did they call it? Heck, they call it the, uh, um, not the billboard, but what do you call it? Whatever. Uh, the bulletin, bulletin board material? Bulletin, yeah, bulletin, bulletin board. Yeah. Yeah. Always looking for that, right? And we, and Absolutely. Coach Belichick leaned on that heavily. I don't know if I'm telling his secrets, but he would he would wait <laughs> for, for somebody on the Please up- tell the secret. <laughs> 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 he would wait for somebody on the opposing team to say something. Or, you know, Rex Ryan. You know, Rex Ryan was always talking, you know, the big rivalry between the, the Patriots and the Jets. And Rex Ryan would say something crazy, and he would post it up. He would like, well, guys, I guess we're not good enough. Or, well, guys, I guess we're not good enough. Yeah. And, it, and, it, he would just, and it, he would just end the meeting like that, right? Be like, well, all right, we're going to practice. Be like, oh, no, heck no, we're not ending like that, right? Yeah. So he just always he, – he, he, he was the same way. He just sat back, and that's why you don't see him talk. He's not going to give anybody any, any bulletin board material, right? So he mm. just lets everybody else do the talking, and then he's going to rely on you to have that internal drive to go out there and bust somebody in their mouth. That's yeah, I, I loved it. And, and, you know, the thing that I, I was, you know, pointing out to my son is that, you know, there are thousands of guys who have played the game of basketball and football, but there are a few that you can see that has that killer gene DNA like Michael Jordan has, like Tom Brady has, like all of the greats that have come through the game. And you're right, Isaiah. That's uh, one of the things you don't think about is great coach and great players. They almost hand the glove. They come together when you think about a, you know, a, a killer like Lawrence Taylor, you know, and, and his and his coach Parcells being his coach. It's just look, I just felt like when when I was watching it and just looking at how you have guys like Michael Jordan play the game and these younger the younger generation taking witness to that. And also, you know, thinking about the Dallas Cowboys and you're right, Rob, Dak Prescott is that guy that, you know, leads by example he puts it on the line, and he's the guy that even with draft status, all of that stuff, that if the game is on the line, you know that Dak can get it done for you. And so I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that all of our guys, and I'm sure they were, were watching the last dance, last dance, but I think it was just something great to witness for everyone that loves sports. Now, my question is, is uh, of course, with Michael Jordan and with the last dance and the, that whole Bulls dynasty, it, it took time to get to that point. It wasn't uh, an overnight thing. They didn't watch a documentary like Heckman just said and then all, all of a sudden have a championship mentality. It took the, the preparation. It took all of the, the hard work leading up to that point. But my question is, is, is there's got to be supporting cast around it too. It can't just be one guy shouting from the rooftops. It's got to be a collective group effort. Who else needs to get involved? Because we've we've thrown Dak's name out there, and he's of course going to be the the go to. He's all eyes on him. He's the Cowboys' quarterback. Sure, we're not comparing him to Michael Jordan. We're just talking about his mentality and his work ethic. Yes. However, yes, you you you're gonna have you're gonna have to have some support group. And I know you could talk about the offense, but on the defensive side of the football, who do you want to step up? Who is the leader of that defense moving forward? Tank Lawrence. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Tank. Yeah, Tank Lawrence is your guy, and Tank Lawrence is is the guy that you know small, comes coming from a small school uh, and making it you know to the NFL. But what he's done on this level, I think his what he's done it speaks for itself, you know. And so I, I see Tank Lawrence. If you're doing the correlation between Michael Jordan, he's your Dennis Rodman, right? He's your cleanup guy. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of role players. There's, you know, who's your Scottie Pippen? I don't know, but I'm thinking. Uh, Tank Lawrence, uh, particular, being one of those role players or one of those leaders uh, in conjunction with Dak Prescott. I agree, and I, I think 
it's it's a hard comparison to make between the two yeah, sports yeah, because in basketball it takes one guy, yeah. one guy that can really change the course of your entire team with a supporting cast around him. Man, Isaiah can speak to this better than anybody. It, it, this is the ultimate team sport, and you can, yeah. you can have you can have five, you can have ten great players, but if you don't have one to fifty three yeah. guys that can step in and, and fill their roles. That's why we talk about depth so much and, and trying mm-hmm. to withstand that because yeah. it, it's, it, it really takes an entire group over the course of a long season to do it. Uh, but, but to answer your question, Kyle, yeah, I think, I think it starts with Tank because he's the senior guy mm-hmm. on the defense in terms of a starting role, uh, every down role. And then after that, you know, a healthy Leighton Vander Esch and, and some of the other young guys have to continue to step forward. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys on that. But one thing I want to point out is that you know, it is totally different, right? It's an amazing point in terms of the basketball. You got one guy that's a dog, and he'll, you know, take the whole team. But in football, you need, from my experience, you need one person in all three phases of the game to, to step up and take that, take on that role, right? And usually on offensive side of the ball, we always say it needs to be the quarterback, right? On defense, you know, everybody thinks about a guy like Ray Lewis, right? You need somebody who's going to be that vocal leader in the middle of the defense, right? And then you need a special teams dog. Right, you need a special teams dog, and I can tell you guys, like when I played here in Dallas, it was Keith Davis. Yeah. Keith Davis, yeah. Yep. You know, K- <laughs> KD was KD was that dude, right? He, you know, everybody else. I don't know how many, how much the public knew about KD and how much he's talked, but when we got in that huddle, you knew KD was that dude, right? And you looked for KD, right? And and it's, that's a that's a weight that you have to bear as a leader, um, and as, as he was a special teams leader, right? Um, and you know, on the offensive side of the ball, it was really like wit. You know what I mean? For, 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 the, for the whole office, right? And for our particular receiver group, it was T.O., obviously. But you always you got to have those, those individuals in those three phases of the game, offense, yeah. defense, and special teams, that everybody looks to. That everybody looks to because it's going to get hard. There's going to be some lulls in the game. There's going to be some parts that you really got to dig yourself out some holes. And when, you, when, when you're in those positions, you need that one, that one steadfast individual that you know is not going to waver and that you can rely on to get you ready to roll and that's going to come through. And oh, yeah. um, that's, that's what the Cowboys have to find. I don't think it's just yet. It's not all about role players. It's easy to fall in line if you have somebody that's leading. That's a great point, Isaiah. I really, I, I love that. It's easy to fall in line, but you got to have a leader out there. And I think both sides of the football are going to need a leader. Tank Lawrence, Dak Prescott, doesn't matter who it is, somebody who's going to have to step up. But for that defense, one of the biggest missing pieces to the 2019 squad is returning seemingly in 2020. We're going to talk about that next when we come back after a quick break here on Talking Cowboys. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer, where you buy the latest generation of transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses. You can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too right above the subway well i bet you don't even notice it after the that's my neighbor angus the deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network come into an at&t store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for zero dollars down based on gws1 score september 2019 back to talking cowboys It's 
segment number two here of Talking Cowboys here on a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Glad you're with us and hope you're staying safe out there, staying socially distanced as we are in our respective SWBC Mortgage Studios. Rob Phillips, Hackma Harrison, the great Isaiah Stanback, our resident Super Bowl champion, down in the, the bottom corner from myself. I'm Kyle Yeomans. And guys, uh, we spent that last segment talking through the last dance and, and how that relates to the Dallas Cowboys. Not, not in the fact of making an extra documentary, because I think a 10-part <laughs> series on the 90s Cowboys, would it, I would be glued to the screen uh, if that were the case. Let's do, I, let's do it. I'm right there with you, Rob. Let's get it done. Let's find a way to do it. But more so in the championship mentality and the mentality that it takes to win titles, not just a title, but titles plural, because that's what Michael Jordan and that entire Bulls staff had. Now, Moving on, but kind of staying similar, there was a big missing piece to this Dallas Cowboys defense in 2019, and that was Leighton Van Der Esch. Young, healthy linebacker going into the season, really looking to take a next step in his second year with the Cowboys. Instead, it was derailed by a neck injury and a long, long road back. Let's just say that. A long road yeah. back all the way through, yeah. and an uncertain one at that. But some news kind of surfaced this week. Patrick Walker from uh, CBS Sports throughout an article. There have been some other articles that have followed up since then. I know DallasCowboys.com has been on top of it as well. But, Rob, what have you heard around Leighton Van Der Esch and his health and what he anticipates for the 2020 season? Yeah, I've heard he is very much indeed on schedule uh, to be back in, in 2020. So everything he said in his interview on James Slater's podcast mm-hmm. sounds on point. You know, it's under, I'm under the impression that uh, it's my understanding that it took about, it's about a four month recovery for the surgery that he had on his neck. And when, so if you think about January, he's, that's about the, the point he should be at here in mid May. Mm-hmm. And um, now what that means for the off season, I don't think he was ever going to be really active in, in on field stuff. Uh, during a normal off-season yeah. program. I think they were always pointing towards training camp, and mm. we'll see how that schedule turns out. Uh, but the signs are, are pointing in the right direction for him, for sure. Now, if yeah, thought, he is healthy and he is going back, and heck, I'm going to go right to you here, but if he is healthy and he is coming back, what kind of presence would they be getting back in that defense? Yeah, I, I believe that Leighton Van Der Esch, you, you asked the question earlier about his, him missing. The, I believe it was seven games that he missed last season. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was significant to the defense. I mean, he, his presence was felt immediately uh, his rookie year. And so um, it, it played a large impact. But let's just keep it real, guys. I mean, Leighton Van Der Esch is, you know, prior to the injury wasn't, typical wolf hunter form right um he there were some things where you could look go back and just look at a few games where it was like man Mm -hmm. he had offensive you know tackles and guards kind of blocking him to the gatorade buckets not that drastic but still you know he was he was uh struggling a bit uh but now that you know we get this neck taken care of and and i'm one to believe that it was just you know nerve damage and if you've ever had a stinger it is horrible uh but you typically it subsides after a while and it's just something that he tried to play through obviously uh but when they asked him the question about how he feel he felt he said i feel wonderful and so anybody says i feel wonderful i believe him because hey you know ask me how i feel on any given day it's i am good you know but wonderful yeah you feeling pretty good and i, and I look for him uh to be back and, and make an impact on this defense because like i said his 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 rookie season, man, he was a difference maker out there on the defense. Yeah, yeah his, his presence is a necessity. Um, there's no question about it. I mean, he's a, he's a big kid. I was very skeptical. I personally, I can admit this, when, yeah. they, when, they, when they drafted him that high, I was very skeptical. Um, then I sat back and watched a young, a young wolf just come out there and just be a dog. Oh, and gosh. Yet, and yeah, you know, at that position, a linebacker. There's some grown men coming to block you, right? So you're gonna yes. get thrown. You're gonna get thrown into the Gatorade every every now and then, and you know, those, those, are, those are the things that really um, pro- progress you and help you to not experience those things again, right? I'm gonna get off these blocks, right? I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be um, you know the dog on uh, talk of the locker room this week. 
But I mean, he, he's long, right? He's rangy. Um, he's he's aggressive. He's efficient, right? With his tackling, uh, I think he plays uh, plays amazing with those other two guys in there. Um, yeah. And I, I, and I'm hoping, I really, really hope, as somebody who's been through a ton of injuries, I really hope that he's able to come back and and be that same player because it's more mental than it is physical a lot of times, and especially coming off a neck injury. And people need to understand at, at the linebacker yes. position, you yes. lead with your you lead with your head, right? Yeah. So instinctively. His whole life, he's led with his head. Yeah, now, yeah. instinctively, he's gonna have the urge to wanna uh, wanna back off, right? Or yeah. I wanna turn turn my head, right, and expose his shoulder, right? So I really hope that he's really taking that into account, because even though he might say I feel awesome, right, he hasn't hit nobody, right? So right. Yeah. It, the game changes when you when you take you know six four two hundred you know forty whatever pounds he is, and you run that into a, a three hundred pound man, yeah, man, the game yeah. changes a little bit. That's such an that's such an important point because it is such a high impact position and that's why you need linebacker depth just because yes. guys are in collisions all the time but yeah if he when he when he's at his best he's he's like a tone setter on defense some of the mm-hmm. some of the plays he makes he's such a physical player and Jalen Smith can be that way they can they can raise the level of confidence on defense with a big Absolutely. hit. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's what those guys provide when they're at their best. Energy, too. Energy, both yeah. of those guys. Yeah. yeah. You have both of those guys, Smith, and then you also throw in even Sean Lee, Joe Thomas, that whole linebacking core. There's a lot of question marks there. There still are. And whenever they're at their best, you can say it for pretty much all of those guys. When they're at their best, they're difference makers on the defense, and they always have been. That's what the linebacking position is. But with Leighton Vander Esch, it seems like when he's healthy, it, it makes Jalen Smith a better player. It really does. And it's the same thing back and forth of what Sean Lee did for so many years in his prime with the Cowboys is he made those around him better because he was able to do his job at an elevated surface from everybody else. Now, with Leighton Vander Esch, and, and Isaiah, you brought up the point of you, you, you could talk about it as much as you want. You can say, I'm feeling healthy. I'm feeling great. But it's different whenever you get into game action. And especially with a neck injury, I don't know how much neck injuries you've had to be around throughout your career, but is there anything that sticks out to you in terms of people not necessarily coming back because of that specific area of the body? Man, it's scary. (laughs) It's it's, it's a scary scary area. You know, I've had two foot surgeries. Three shoulder surgeries, a knee surgery, and uh, an Achilles surgery. I've had everything all around the body, right? But mm-hmm. the neck, I want no parts of that. I used, I used to always say I don't want a knee surgery. To put the neck in number one, right? Um, I, I, one of my guy, one of my one of my teammates that I respected highly, you know, Ricardo Lockett, you know, he, he, he yeah. you know, he, he had to shut it down, right, because of a neck injury. It was very yeah. scary. Um, you know, we talk about guys like Peyton Manning. If Peyton Manning didn't play the quarterback position, he would have shut it down. Shut down. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, so, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, coming back from a neck injury because of everything that, everything runs through your spine, right? Everything yeah. runs through your spine. Every, that's, that's Grand Central Station. So, if you hit somebody wrong, you heard Heck talking about a stinger. If you guys don't, wanna, don't know what a stinger is, a stinger is when you hit somebody and the nerve gets pinched, right? So, yeah. you pinch mm-hmm. your nerve, right, and you lose all sensation. You lose all functionality. You lose all sensation, literally, usually in that whole half of your body. So and so that it could have been something as simple as that, right? Um, but it could be it could have been worse, and we don't really know, right? They're not going to ever tell us what really no. going down. Um, but I hope that it was something very simple. But even then, you know, those things come back. It's a, you know it, t- it takes one right angle of hitting somebody right with the proper amount of force, and you can be shut down again. So as we continue to talk about this depth, right? We have three guys that have a history of injuries. Injuries, yeah. We have have three guys that have a history of injuries. And trust me, I hate putting an injury label on somebody because I had it, right? I had it and you can't control it. However, as a manager, as a general manager, you need to prepare for the just in case, right? Mm -hmm. For the just in case. These these guys have been predisposed to previous injuries. Hopefully that doesn't affect their future, but just in case it does, I need to make sure that we're okay as an organization in the case that they do go down. Yeah, I, I believe that we are, Isaiah, because, you know, dealing with the Dallas Cowboys, you get the best. And so Leighton Vander Esch has the best doctors looking at this, you know, the, the his neck. And so if there was any question that he was putting himself in danger by coming back to play, I, I just feel that it would be res- the responsibility of the franchise to say, I'm sorry, son, you got to shut it down. Uh, and he, he would probably go down as the greatest to never be. You know, uh, Leighton Vander Esch is that kind of game changer as a, a, at the linebacker position. Uh, but you also talk about the depth, Kyle, and, you know, and that whole, and, and what you said, Isaiah, about the injury label on this group. 
You know, I, I Jalen Smith is the one guy to me that I feel this year he's gonna ha- he's gonna be more impactful than people know. And the reason being is because of Nolan and the way that this defense is going to be geared. It's going to allow him to play freely and play in different areas. If you go back and look at the tape from last year, guys, our linebackers were getting the business from those mm-hmm. offensive linemen. And it was because our defensive linemen were just smaller guys that were having to hurry up and get you know through that gap. And they were not gobbling up blocks. You look at what we have now with Poe and McCoy and Gallimore. Look, these are guys that are going to be like Pac-Man down there on the line, gobbling up those blocks and allowing for Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith to run to the ball. Now, look, you know, there's been a lot that's been talked about about Jalen Smith actually changing positions because, you know, 3-4-4-3. But either way, I think that he is that guy that could be your Swiss Army knife, that could, you know, line up outside a tank and rush the passer or, you know, blitzing up the middle. He has that kind of talent. And let me just say this, guys. Jalen Smith, for all of the, the, the knocks against Jalen Smith, this guy came back from an injury that – Gets, you know, that, that retires people. And it's a hard one to come back from drop foot, especially play. You talk about a neck injury, have drop foot and play linebacker, okay? And he's come back from that. Not only has he come back from that, he's come back from that and has made Pro Bowls. And so, and I'm going to jump out the cake when I say this. I know it, guys. But to me, there's no way that we were supposed to get Jalen Smith if it were not for that Ohio State lineman pushing him in the back, all right? We would never have gotten that guy in the second round because he would have been one of the top 15 linebacker taken in the draft. And if you look at who he was at Notre Dame prior to that injury, he was the equivalent of Isaiah Simmons before Isaiah Simmons because of his height, because of his range. I mean, he's fast enough to play uh, out in pass coverage, out in the flat against tight ends, running backs, and slot receivers. He has that kind of ability. And, and But just now, it, with the whole changing of the guard with the new defense coordinator, I just look for Jalen Smith to be that guy to, you know, to take that learning curve, and and definitely um, be somebody that it, it, you know that definitely has uh, more mm-hmm. makes more plays and does a much better job this year in this new f- defense versus where he was last year. Now, Heckma, I want to I want to be a little bit of a devil's advocate here because early in that you you talked about Jalen Smith and you said two things: he could rush the passer, he could, he could blitz up the middle. There's two things that he does the same thing in that regard. It's run forward. That's his biggest. That's his best thing. Is he runs forward? He goes downhill. He's a downhill player. He always has yeah. been. I don't necessarily think he can cover the slot or even uh, some of those faster tight ends as well as maybe uh, a, a number one linebacker should. However, like you said, you talked about position change and, and whether it's four three or three four. If he's playing downhill and Mike Nolan makes him play downhill, I think he's going to be successful. You can pair that with the defensive tackles. I agree with no. that point completely. I yeah, think I these saying, defensive tackles are going to take a huge load off of those shoulders. Yeah, and I was talking about prior to the injury, prior to yeah. getting injured in college. And so, yeah, it's changed his game a lot. And he has to be a cerebral player because he's playing with a debilitation, basically, yeah. uh, knowing that he had drop foot. And I know we've I've talked with Chris Beam about this and, and just his whole comeback. And, and Chris documented it. He's healed from it, but it has to be something that's in the back of his mind, just like, you know, Isaiah alluded to about playing with a neck injury. You know, hey, it's all good when you just mm-hmm. hitting the pad, but it's completely different when you're running into a 300-pound man. Now watch this. Watch this, Heckma. I'm going to tie this right back around. And Isaiah, I'm going to come to you first here. You talk about the psychological side of it and and how there is a psychological aspect to these injuries. Yes, they're physical. Yes, the surgeries are something that is tactical. However, in your mind, you always have that in the back of it. You always know that you've had these injuries. You've been tagged with the injury bug. What kind of impact does that have on a player? And specifically in this case, Leighton Vander Esch, Isaiah. I mean, for me, it made me a better person. Um, It took me a long time to get over my foot injury, right? So you got to talk about the drop foot, right? It took me 12 months, really, to get back from my foot injury, right? When I blew my foot out, I had a a total Liz Frank. I tore everything out of my foot. No, thanks. (laughs) So I got got drafted with that. So that's why I I respect. Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate you. Uh, but, but it does. It plays a huge part on you. Even once I got past that, I sustained multiple shoulder injuries to the same shoulder. 
right? Wow. And it and it changed me. I hate that I have to admit that, but it did change how aggressive I was. It changed the things that I would typically do prior to those injuries because I was always conscious of it. I didn't want to expose it, right? I didn't want to make myself vulnerable to potentially re-injuring it again. So it does, you know. And again, we don't know how how serious of an injury, you know, uh, you know, Vanderesh's neck was, but. Hopefully it's something that he can just write off once he comes out, to, once training camp gets kicked off and he goes out there and hits his first dude and boom, I don't feel nothing. Okay, he's confident again. Um, and I hope it's just as simple as that. But if, if you ever re-injured something, uh, trust me, it plays, yeah. it plays with your mind. Um, it definitely plays with your mind. But, you know, and one of the things I wanted to touch on was, you know, you made a great point, heck, about the, what we've done here in, in the offseason in terms of our front, our front seven. You guys always hear me talking about how important of a role it is for, for Poe, McCoy, and all those guys that we've acquired and, the, and what they're going to allow our, our second level to do. And for people out there that are listening, if you guys don't understand how important that is, these guys, when you talk about those guys gobbling up offensive linemen, these guys, are the offensive linemen are not going to be allowed, right, because they're not going to be freed up to work up and have to and, and, and force our linebackers to take them on. Right, so we don't have to worry about Jalen Smith and, and Sean Lee and Vander Edge taking as much punishment as they did last year because these guys are going to be gobbled up. So they are going to be able to roam free. And to Rob's point in terms of coverage, Rob, let's keep it real. There are these these tight ends that are playing nowadays. No linebackers can cover them, right? Mm -hmm. No, they, they they can't, right? So you're going to rely heavily on your safeties, right? And I think we're going to be a, a too high safety heavy team, anyways, um, because of our because of our what our front seven is going to allow for us to play. So it's really going to be on you know on, on our on our guys in the secondary, uh, you know Cheeto and and Ha Ha and those guys like that to be able to come down and, and, and play man to man. Hmm. Yeah, play more nickel dime in those situations and. I, but when they, they have struggled on defense the last couple of years, it's been stopping the run, to you, you guys' point. I mean, you go yes. back to, like, the 2018 game when they went up to Indy and just got smacked. Whew. You know, they their linemen were on the second level so quickly. And that's that's mm -hmm. I think that's what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Um, as far as Van Der Esch, just one more point on that. I will say, to Heck's point, he's in really good hands with the athletic training staff, oh, yeah. the doctors here. Uh, and, and I think I think he's a guy he really wanted to keep playing last year, and I think he he loves football so much. I think that that will help with the psychological part of it, just being able to get back. And there are guys, and I won't say this is the exact same injury, but there have been guys in team history that have come back from neck surgery, Daryl Johnson, guys like that. So there are there's a history and, and a familiarity with the organization in doing it. So. Obviously, that's the hope, and, and I think the Cowboys feel good about it. They, they definitely need him back. There's no question about that. Hey, shout, it, out, shout out to uh, to our training staff with the Cowboys. I probably know way too much about those guys. But, <laughs> 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 but Jim and, and Rip Brown and uh, Dr. Cooper and those guys, and I can tell you guys haven't been through some of the greatest organizations in this league. That that group right there is second to none. It's second to none. So uh, for all you guys that may have question marks, okay, did they make the right decision? Those guys right there on top of their game. Yeah, and, and that's huge. It, it's huge to be able to have that at your disposal, but you've also got to come back and execute and be on time and things like that of, of being with these these timelines whenever it comes to this injuries. And hopefully Leighton Vanderish is back. I went back yesterday. I'm going to go through all 16 games again from 2019, and I went back through week one yesterday. And, man, when all those linebackers are firing on all cylinders, it is fun to watch. Uh, yeah. And they did so against the Giants last year, and I thought it was just it, – it made me kind of sad because it was one of those, wow, this is this is a lot of fun to watch. But, man, you, you knew what was coming with the injuries and some of the question marks later on down the line. Now, when we come back, we're going to do some more talking X's and O's. I've got two really big questions that I want answered about this upcoming season and different roles that are going to be played on the offensive side of the football. We'll talk about that next when we return here on Talking Cowboys. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor! 
Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. So, you're shopping. And that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stack from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Back to Talkin' Cowboys. One last segment here of Talking Cowboys here on DallasCowboys.com. So glad you're with us. Kyle Yeomans, Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison, the great Isaiah stand back. And it's time now to talk some X's and O's. And we did this last week, our first uh, installment of a new segment, and it's specifically around what's happening on the football field and, and take away all the offseason garb that's around the this Cowboys team and the storylines that have been around. We'll talk about that plenty in the first two segments, guys. We want to talk about football here. That's what this is about. This is, what, <laughs> this is about the gridiron. And first question is, what will Zeke's role be? Now, last week... We talked about Tony Pollard and what his potential role could be as a wide receiver, more so than a running back. We talked about that in extents, but I want to talk about Ezekiel Elliott because of kind of the added talent around the passing game. CeeDee Lamb, of course, out of the draft, and you've got Blake Jarwin, who's seemingly tight end one. That should add some extra targets from Dak Prescott than he even got last year. But how are you going to find a way to get Ezekiel Elliott the ball? Rob, we'll start with you. Well, I think with the weapons they've added in the passing game, as you said, I think they they have the makings of a true pick-your-poison offense where mm-hmm. they can they can literally take what the defense gives them. There's that much talent at the skill positions. But I do not worry about Zeke having a big role on this team. And really, the, the only thing I've got to do is go back to early in Mike McCarthy's career, pre-Packers, okay? I know he was the head coach there for a long time, and I know mm-hmm. he was – Part of what you could say was a pass-happy offense with Aaron Rodgers. Now, that makes sense, logically, with Aaron Rodgers. He was in New Orleans in early 2000s as the Saints offensive coordinator. Ricky Williams. You remember the the Saints trading their entire draft to get Ricky Williams. That would probably never happen again. (laughs) But there were a couple seasons in there where Ricky Williams had like 300-plus carries. Yes. And was was the offense for them. And I, I think... That shows Mike McCarthy is willing to use what yeah. he has from a personnel standpoint, and for that reason, I, I fully expect Zeke to be, you know, have a big role as usual in this offense. Heck, go ahead, Isaiah. Yeah. Oh, you gonna, yeah. you gonna throw it to Heckman over here? I got it. I got it. All right. So, <laughs> so I mean, guys, I mean, you asked that question, and, and I'm like everybody else. I've been bored in the house and in the house bored. So I've been on NFL Game Pass watching old. You've been Cowboy on TikTok games. too, haven't you? <laughs> You know I have. <laughs> you know I have. And, and it's just crazy, you know, watching Ezekiel Elliott. And man, he's just a generational running back. And, you know, this what his role is going to be in this offense is a dog. You know, he's he's going to be the pace setter for, for us and uh, what this offense does. You saw last year where teams were still willing – to play with extra DBs even when the Cowboys came out and run personnel. We have got to punish teams for doing that. And so mm-hmm. with the whole pick your poison uh, mantra that we have going here in Dallas now with C.D. Lamb, that's the one thing that I believe that if teams play us like that, we have got to give them a healthy dose of Ezekiel Elliott. And you look at those games here, you look at the season, uh, and, and like say, for instance, games like uh, against Baltimore. All right. We're in Baltimore in December. We don't know what that's going to be like uh, as far as the weather, as far as the conditions. 
But I see Ezekiel Elliott getting 30 carries in that game. That's the Ezekiel Elliott game because what that does is it keeps Lamar Jackson sipping Gatorade. You know, so uh, those are the kind of things that I believe that Mike McCarthy is he's going to be a difference maker in that. And just going over all those, you know, old games uh, for for the Dallas Cowboys, it was the play calling. It was getting uh, Ezekiel Elliott in rhythm. We ran a lot on first downs, but then after that, you know, because we were behind on the sticks, we'd have to throw the ball to get a first down. And so I just look for that. You know, I look for Zeke to be a big part of what we're doing this year. Yeah, heck, and Rob, like, freaky Zeke's going to be freaky Zeke, right? <laughs> no, there's no, there's no change here. You just added more weapons, right? Um, it, it doesn't even matter if they take the ball out of his hands a little bit more. He's still going to get the same production. Uh, he just – he's that dude. We know he's that dude. I think that more than anything, he needs to be able to provide that consistency. And he needs mm-hmm. to be able to provide the energy. I really yes. don't see anybody else really providing energy on the offensive side of the ball. And momentum such an intricate part of this game. You need yes. him to be able to get those seven-yard, those 12-yard runs, and he, he needs to be able to get up and do this, right? Because everybody exactly. feeds off that, right? Yep. There's, there's nobody – Cooper ain't going to do it, right? You know what I'm <laughs> so it is, if Cooper could have a 100-yard run, he's still going to be quiet, right? So you need, <laughs> you, need, you need somebody with that energy for everybody to feed off of. Um, as yeah. Max Allen going out managing everything, you need Zeke just to be consistent. When we give him the ball, we know we're going to get positive yardage, and then he's going he's gonna to be that energy bus for everything else that we're doing on offense. Do you think the energy could come from him in the receiving game as well? Because last year, I mean, he had 54 receptions, 68 targets, both of which uh, were some of the tops of his career. But do you think he could bring that energy in the receiving game as well out of the backfield? Or is it strictly pound the rock, be the belt cow, and eat up some yards when you can? More screens. More screens. More screens, yeah. More screens to Zeke. Good things happen when Zeke gets the ball in the screen game. Rob is adamant about that. Let's go. More screens to Zeke. <laughs> I mean, damn, every time he gets one, it's it's like a 70-yard touchdown, it seems like, you know? But, yeah, Against I mean, the Lions, maybe. Yeah, true, true. I mean, quietly, I think he had a season where he had 75, 76 catches. He has that in his in his arsenal for sure. Yeah, that's you, you say it, man. Those screen plays, when, and especially with the kind of speed that we have on the outside, running everybody off and then just sneaking Zeke uh, underneath is something that you see the Cowboys doing. He, and again, that's just something he has in his arsenal. He's a great receiver out of the backfield, so we have to use every talent, everything that he has. Yeah, there's not going to be any shortage. It doesn't matter what, how he gets the ball. It doesn't matter how anybody mm-hmm. in this office gets the ball. You know, like you guys talked about, we, we have the jack-of-all chains, the Swiss Army knife, as we refer to, uh, of offenses. So it doesn't matter how they, you know, they decide on getting everybody the rock. As long as people are getting positive yardage and, you know, and we're rolling this thing and we're, we're able to strike fast when needed, we're able to withstand drives when needed, uh, depending on who, we're, who our opponent is, um, we, I think we have everything we need to really control that, right? Um, if, we're playing a, if we're playing a Baltimore and Lamar and those guys are going to be striking fast, guess what? We need to be able to hit them when we need to hit them. If we, right. if we're, if we, if we need to keep somebody like that off the field, and guess what? Yes. Receivers, block your butts off and let's hand this thing off, right? So we can do whatever we want to do. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what we don't do. Right, uh, more so than what we what we are going to do because yeah. because you have so many options. You do have a ton of options, and that's kind of the the fun part about it, and that's what makes people so excited about this offense moving forward. Now, I want to put you guys in Kellen Moore's shoes, which at this point looks like it's a fun place to be because you've got a new coaching staff around you, and you've got a, a bunch of new talents. But uh, I want to talk about the the receiving position, and you could argue because of how talented this receiving core is, you don't necessarily even need. Ezekiel Elliott to bring the energy in the passing game because you have enough energy in what Dak Prescott and these receivers and even Blake Jarwin at tight end could bring to the table. But I want to ask, who would you put in the slot? And the the question is because whenever C.D. Lamb was drafted, it was almost automatic. Let's throw C.D. Lamb into the slot, but I I want to play devil's advocate with that point a little bit just based off of the fact that in college, or at least in 2019, C.D. Lamb had 25 slot receptions, which is tied for 140th in the draft class. Then you turn around, you have slot yards. He was successful in the slot, 600-plus yards as a slot receiver, which was 46th. So you still have a, a kind of a, at least a disconnect in that regard of C.D. Lamb being in the slot. But who would you put in the slot? And Heckma, we'll start with you, man. Michael Gallup is open right now. Okay. I'm just telling you, man. This is let's let's keep it real. Um, 
it to me, man. If I'm if I'm playing Kellen Moore, uh, I, I come into this room of uh, of a talented group of wide receivers, and I know that these guys are all chomping at the bit to contribute. You you draft Ceedee Lamb, and you know he's a number one receiver. So in, in essence, you have two number one receivers in Lamb and Cooper, and you have to treat them as such. Uh, if I'm Michael Gallup, I don't care where you put me. You put me in the slot, it, it, mm-hmm. I'm going to manhandle a strong safety. I, it, there's no way. And if you look at our team right now, you would be it would be the equivalent of having uh, Xavier Woods on Michael Gallup in the slot. I, I, I think that's advantage Michael Gallup. You know, shout out to Xavier Woods. But I'm just saying, you know, you, you talk about the talent level of a Michael Gallup. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. But at the same time, I believe that it's going to be the translation uh, – that we're going to have from from Mike McCarthy to this offense and getting these guys in rhythm is what's going to be uh, important. But, I, man, that's that's a tough question, but I really feel like it doesn't matter which guy goes to the slot. But if I'm Michael Gallup, I want to go to the – be the slot receiver. Yeah, it, it reminds me of, of, of my time when I was um, with underneath Billy O'Brien. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when I, was, I was out there with myself, uh, Joey Galloway, Wes Welker, Randy Moss, it really didn't matter <laughs> who was mm-hmm. where, and you had to learn everything, right? And, right. and that, that freedom as a, for an offensive coordinator is absolutely everything, because now everything's on the table. I can call whatever formation I want to. I can mess around with, with, with defenses. I can run some motions. I can run motions to put guys in positions that they weren't necessarily in when we lined up um, to create different matchups. So there's all kinds of different things that you can do to trick around and mess around with your defense, but um, in terms of just a staple, if we're going three wide receivers set, I, I, I agree with my guy Heck. I think that you put CD on the outside where he's comfortable, where he's comfortable mm-hmm. um, coming into this league, and you allow Gallup with his speed. If hopefully, I'm interested to see how shifty he is in terms of lateral mobility and being able to get off the ball from inside yeah. the slot. But what you want, that's one thing that you want from a slot: somebody who's shifty, who's, shifty. who can get get open immediately, and then you also want somebody who can get on the safety's toes as fast as possible. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what that's what Gallup really presents from that position. And like and like we already attested to, you're going to be facing either their third best corner, right, or yep. you're going to be facing their safety. So his ability to just blaze on by anybody mm. and get on the toes of the safety, especially in single high safety, right, is going to cause some problems because those outside guys, Coop and, uh, and CD, will be able to eat all day long. And you guys really hit on it. I mean, Mike McCarthy, one reason why he loved this pick so much was it adds to a stable receivers that he thinks can play every position, play inside, mm-hmm. out. That's what, that's what he does. That's what he did with his receivers in Green Bay. And so, yeah, I, th- I think you're going to see all of them kind of move around. I like CD's skill set for the slot personally. But you guys are right about Gallup. And, and Amari Cooper is a guy that can go inside and be effective playing the slot. He's done it here. And it also yeah. is a way to get him away from double coverage at times too. So I think you're going to see Amari in there. I, th- I think you see, may see all of them uh, yep. move around because that's what McCarthy likes to do. That's see, and I was a little point, surprised Rob. that you didn't say Cooper. Go ahead, Heckman. No, I, I think what Rob's what the the point that Rob makes about coverage being rolled to Amari Cooper and actually putting him in the slot that's you know a, a ton of offenses do that with their you know number one guy put him in the slot move him around uh, that was one of the arguments about Des Bryant back in the day is it's getting him from the outside and moving him around in this offense to give him more exposure uh, in the offense and so again I. I you know, just what Rob was saying, I think that is the, the biggest point is that you take your lead dog and you look at any advantages that you have against defenses and you put him in there. All three of these guys are going to be interchangeable. And do you see a lot of motion and you see a lot of trickery and things like that? Isaiah, I know you mentioned it, just switching things around and opening up the playbook. I think the the playbook's as open as, as, as it ever has been for a guy like Kellen Moore to kind of do some of those gimmicky things before pre-snap that could set yourself up for success. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and like I was saying it too, you know, when I was with Billy O and we had all those receivers, right, we had a ridiculous amount of receivers, right? It, everybody, as long as everybody's smart enough to learn all the formations, smart enough to learn all the different personnel groupings, you give that offensive coordinator pretty much a, a blank sheet and he can do whatever right. he wants to. And you can, right. you can, you can line up in those just basic uh, uh, formations 
Or guess what? I can line up with you know CD outside, and I guess okay, we're coming to CDs outside. You know, Coop's on the outside, and Gallup's in the slot. All of a sudden, I motion CD down, and we're doing a switch release, and now all of a yep. sudden, Gallup's going outside, and CD's working in on the inside of the linebacker. So you could do whatever the heck you want to, and motion is going to be a huge part of it. Not only just because of uh, declaration of coverages. But also from the standpoint of just matchups, you can create if you have a smart offensive coordinator and you have versatile players, you can create the matchups that you want. And when you're able to do that, you can't be stopped. It's going to be interesting because, like the 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 point is, is uh, you could throw Cooper in the slot, you could throw Gallup in the slot, you could throw C.D. Lamb in the slot, and all three should be successful enough to be able to to have some. Uh, some impact, and by some impact, I mean quite a bit of impact for Dak Prescott and what he's able to do come this season. And uh, we're running out of time here, guys, but uh, just real quickly, looking ahead a little bit. Now, the uh, next week on Talking Cowboys, we're going to talk about the right defensive end spot. And there's going to be a couple of those names thrown in there, like an Alden Smith, like a... Uh, a uh, Randy Gregory, two guys that are looking to be reinstated, but you're also going to look at that Bradley and I pick from the, the 2020 draft class and, and what that actually means for that right defensive end spot is just real fast, rapid fire before we close things out. Is this defense better this year than last year on paper? Yes or no, before we get into next week's conversation and debate. Absolutely. Wow. Heck you think so? <laughs> yeah. What'd you say, Rob? If those guys are reinstated, I say yes. And obviously they're optimistic about that. You still got to sort out the cornerback spot, man. We tried to rank all those guys last week on the website. Who'd you have in one, Rob? Who'd you have in one, Rob? We had uh, we had Jordan Lewis one, actually. Wow. Jordan Lewis at one. No, which is which is a little strange, right? Because he's not wow. you know, he's not six five playing cornerback. Nope. But They've got to sort that part out, but I think the front seven, yes, they got they got a chance to be better uh, and make the defense better that way. I agree with you guys. We're going to talk about that cornerback spot and the ranks that did come out in terms of that position next week as well. So it's going to be a lot of defensive talk next week while we talked a lot of offense this week. But that is going to do it here for Talking Cowboys here on this Tuesday morning. Glad you've been with us throughout the entirety of the last hour. But for Heckma Harrison, for Isaiah Stanback, and for the great Rob Phillips, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. We'll see you next week here on Talking Cowboys. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!